We are talking about Vision May, and I'm excited. I could talk about this stuff in this vision because God has given me these values and this vision for our church, and I could just go on and on and on about this stuff. I'm so excited. I got a lot of verses tonight for the, the, what, the value that we're going to be talking about. But again, remember what we're talking about is this. Our vision for our church is giving people, and here's the key, the best life possible. That's what we're all about as a church. It's not just like, let's build some cool buildings and and make some money and all that. No, no, no. All we're about is changing people's lives for the absolute best thing that's possible. So our vision statement says, giving people the best life possible. How? Through connecting them to God. We talked about that last week. That's the foundation of everything. If God's not in it, we don't want to be a part of it. Connecting people to God and to his family, which we're going to talk about tonight, by equipping them to be involved with what he's doing in this world. So it speaks of us getting connected to God, us connecting to his family, us getting equipped so we could learn to serve him, give our lives to him, and then that we would go out there in outreach and we would win the rest of the world and bring them into God's family too. Amen? The whole goal is that we would give people the best life possible, and it starts off with the second value that we're going to be talking about today. But just so you guys know, for complete vision buy-in for us as a church to go out there and really give people the best life possible, it's level three people that I'm looking for, right? We talked about that last week. You can buy into the vision. First step is, I like it, I'll go to church there. Second vision level buy-in is like, I'll like it, you know, and I'll go there, and I might even get involved a little bit and give a little bit as long as it's not too inconvenient for me, right? And there's a lot of people like that, and that's cool. But what we're looking for is those that are level three, they're like, you know what, I believe in my church, I believe that they're all about the cause of Christ, and I'm willing to get my life involved with what is going on, whatever it takes. Let's go change the world. That's what we're after. That's why I'm saying, I dare you to wear one of these for a month. I dare you, because that's level three. That's starting to step up and own our church and our vision. I read this really cool quote that my friend sent me this week, because remember I told you that our vision and our values, what we're trying to do is we're trying to narrow down all the good stuff that we're doing so we can do some stuff with excellence, right? Never mind all the good ideas. We just want to do the God ideas. And I use this term, if you guys remember, laser beam focus. You guys remember that? I talked about that. That to me is what God's trying to do. So my friend sent me this quote, and this is what this quote is, and I love this. It says, the successful warrior is the average man with laser-like focus. You know who said that? What the? Bruce Lee. Come on. Look at what it says. That's cool. The successful warrior is the average man with laser-like focus. And that's us as the church. If we want to be successful in giving people the best life possible, we don't want to mess around and like, oh, let's try some of this and let's do this. And this kind of sounds like a good idea. We want to be like, this is what we know. This is what God has called us to. And boom, laser-like precision, laser beam focus. Isn't that cool? That's a good, that's a good word from Bruce Lee. Not a Christian, but you know, pretty encouraging right there. But here's the second value that we put, and you look on your bracelet right there, it's connect to God's family that we want people connected to God, but how many of you guys know that it's not enough just to know God and walk through this planet on your own as a Lone Ranger Christian? That's not enough. That doesn't cut it. Jesus himself modeled the fact that we need other people. We need the family of God. Amen? And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight, and we're fired up for that. And I want to give you guys the original model for God's church, which is the word community. The original model. If you guys look at Acts chapter 2, Verses 42 to 47, this is what God originally intended for his church, his churches, all the churches in the world that follow him, his universal church. This is what he intended for us to have. Look at uh, verse 42. 
the early church, the first church after Jesus had gone back to heaven and they just started rambling and getting excited and going, yeah, we're going to live for God. That's how they did it. Verse 42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper. So not just taking communion the Lord's Supper, but just eating together and hanging out. And then also to prayer. These are important things. It says a deep sense of awe, just utter respect and worship of the Lord came over all of them. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. All the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and they shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Of, of, it's the favor. The favor of God was upon them, that people had favor on them for how they were living their lives. And each day, here's the result of it, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Do you guys realize that the original intention that God says for Christians is that we would be part of a community, that we'd be part of a, a culture, of a tribe? And here's, here's what the word community means. It means a group with common interests, characteristics, culture, beliefs, heritage that is distinct from the larger society with, within which it exists. That means when you become a Christian and you get into a local church, you're part of something special. And that as Christians, that we're part of a community, a body of, of believers. We share the same God. We share the same mindset. We share, share the same purpose in life, which is to love God and to love other people. And that we got to realize that we're not the same as this whole wide world around us, that we should look attractive, that we should be distinctive, that everyone else is going, what do they have? I want it because it says, because of that life of community that they lived, the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. You know what that means? They lived such a good life that was connected to one another and fired up on each other that everyone else around town was going, oh, how do I get that? Who's this Jesus guy that these guys are all about? How do I get a piece of, look at, they're sharing with each other, they're loving each other, they're eating and they're hanging out. This is crazy. And it was breaking the mindset of what religion was at that time. In that day, Judaism, what they normally did, let's go to the temple, let's worship, let's go home, let's pray, right? But here's the body of Christ going, no, no, we're a community. We share a life together. We're not just about going and worshiping and sitting in church together. We're about completely living our life together. And here's what we want to talk about today, connecting to God's family. People need people, amen? People need godly people in their lives. Here's a report I read in U.S. News in their health department by this lady, Nancy Shute, and she said, why loneliness is bad for your health. And this is some stuff that I, I got out of this thing. Um, it, it talks about what God already knew was true. Loneliness shows up in measurements of stress hormones, immune function, and cardiovascular fun function. Lonely adults consume more alcohol and get less exercise than those who are not lonely. Their diet is higher in fat, their sleep is less efficient, and they report more daytime fatigue. Loneliness also disrupts the regulation of cellular process deep within the body, predisposing us to premature aging. This is people who are not connected with other people. This is loneliness. Look what else it says. When it comes to friendships, some people think that in order to be less lonely, everybody has to like them. That's not true. Here's what it says. This is interesting. It takes just one, two, or three people. You just need a small group of people around you that you know you can rely on. 
The person who has 4,000 friends on Facebook is not necessarily the least lonely person, especially if he spends all his time maintaining his Facebook page, right? So just because you got a lot of people, it doesn't really mean people need those small groups. We need those relationships. It goes on in different parts in the article, and it says, humans have a need to be affirmed up close and personal. It said, we also have a need for a wider circle of friends and family. It says, and there's a need to feel that we belong to a larger group. An example is how right after 9-11, Americans felt very close to one another. You guys remember that? The American pride that we had because we said, that's right, we're Americans. We're not going to take this stuff standing down. And we got to join together and our fallen friends. And, and all of this, we're just like, ah, oh, pride. And remember how many flags were on cars and all of that stuff? Is that we felt like we're part of something bigger than ourselves. It says, there was a harmony and a helpfulness that was really quite surprising. Feeling like you're part of something grand and wonderful. Now, here's an interesting thing that this person wrote. This isn't a Christian magazine or Christian article. It says, people who go to church regularly live longer than non-church goers. Why is that? And this lady wrote, churches can be very beneficial. One can feel connected to the group, the church, and to God. Those are actually different things, but both seem to have beneficial effect. God is like a supercharged friend. Isn't that cool? Not a Christian thing, but it's just how she's observing. Um, and then it says, we also do see a distinction between men and women when it comes to loneliness and friendships. Men don't understand their wives' need for girlfriends. You know how wives are always like, oh, I'm going to go out with my girlfriend, right? Okay. It says, men don't really understand their wives' need for girlfriends. On the other hand, as a wife walks out the door to have lunch with her friends, the husband might be watching the football game on TV all by himself. If she asked if he's lonely, he'd say, no, I'm with my tribe. Go Bears. So the distinction is made, but what this thing is saying I found was really interesting. It's saying just what we already know, what Scripture is talking about, what God already knew ahead of time, is people need other people in their lives, especially godly people. If we're Christians, we need to have other people in our lives that can walk through this life with us so that we're not lonely, so that our health is improved, so that everything is beneficial in our life. And I just really thought that was really cool, is we need to connect to God and to godly people. One of the ways we actually connect to God is through godly people. Wouldn't you agree? Right? That you're around good company and you're around other Christians, you get fired up. And it makes you want to believe and trust in God even more. You see God doing miracles in someone's life, you're like, that's right, that's right. We're a part of something. Go God, right? And we get all excited about that. God himself in Genesis, in the first book of the whole Bible, created Adam, right? And then what did he say? He observed Adam. He saw what was going on in Adam's life all there in the Garden of Eden by himself, and he said this, you know what, it's not good for man to be alone, right? So he created Eve, he created a partner, a friend, someone that would be his, his partner in life. In fact, King Solomon in the, in the book of Ecclesiastes, verses, chapter 4, verses 9 through 12, he talked about this connection to other people. It says, two people are better off than one, and this is one of the most awesome passages in the Bible that talks about our need and our importance of having good Christian friends. And if you're ever going through a time where you're feeling lonely or you're like, eh, I don't need to go hang out, read this. This will inspire you that says, I need my friends. This is a big deal connecting to God's family. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. But if someone who falls alone, but someone who falls alone is in real trouble. Likewise, two people lying close together can keep each other warm. But how can one be warm alone? A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. Three are even better, for a triple braided cord 
is not easily broken. Isn't that inspiring that says, I need my friends. I need people in my life. I can't do this thing alone, right? If it's just me and I'm freezing cold and I'm like Bear grills, you know, out surviving on a mountain and there's, what are you going to do, hug a rock? Uh, you know? It's saying that, that and you see in these survival um, movies a lot of times, someone's like hypothermia, frostbite, right? And what does the other person do? You're like, what's going on? They're stripping down naked, and they go, and they like hug them, and they sleep and try to warm up because body heat is the best thing to warm up another body. And it's just interesting what this is saying is we need other people in our lives. We can't go through life alone. Proverbs 27, 17, well, another great verse. Underline, highlight this one in your Bible. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. We need people in our lives to go, hey, Carl, you're looking a little bit rusty, right? Come here. Let me sharpen you up. Let me push you. Let me bring you back to the things of God. Let me encourage you. Let me build you up into the person you need to be because you can't do it alone. I know you love God, but you need godly people around you. And this is what the word is saying. This is what this value of ours is we need to connect people to God's family. You know that the Bible never anywhere in scripture actually tells us to go to church, but it tells us to be the church. It tells us to love one another and to take care of one another and all of these that we're not supposed to, like the, the Jews in their day, just sit in church services together, but it actually says we're supposed to do life together. Actually, in our, our video last week, right, one of our staff pastors, uh, Lance, our men's pastor, he said that, hey, we don't just do ministry together, we do life together. And I just read that quote in the It book this week that reinforces we're not just about sitting in a religious thing together but we're actually living out the things of God in one another's lives. And we don't just go to a service to sit there and that's it. But we're getting into one another's lives because we're a community. Christianity is a team sport. Got that? It's a team sport. It's not a solo mission. It's not just you paddling by yourself, the one-man canoe, right? It's the team sport. It's like someone's steering, someone's turning, someone's calling out the stuff. But we do this thing all together. Um, we're supposed to be a community that lives life together. I looked up in scripture, there's over 60 times where God mentions in the, in the scripture, not God, but different individuals, sometimes Jesus, 60 times the one another's and the each other's are mentioned in, in the Bible. You know what that is? That's care for one another, love one another, uh, confront each other in love, uh, forgive one another, all of these different things. But here's the, the focus is, you're doing it together, you're living life together. You're walking it out with the one and others. I'm looking out for you. You're looking out for me. We're in this thing together. We're meant to be a community. Jesus himself modeled it with his disciples, right? That he didn't just come down to this earth and go, look, I'm the man. None of you are worthy. So let me just walk around, do my miracles, and leave me alone, right? He didn't do that. Jesus came down, and he modeled for us the fact that I got these 12 guys that hang out with me. These are my boys. It's my posse. And everywhere I go, they go with me, right? And he modeled for us, we need each other. Then he went and he spoke to the masses and he loved on everybody. He loved the kids. He loved the sinners. But Jesus was all about people and being connected to God's family. It was a community that he lived and he walked out. But then did you know he also commanded us that we should be community? Here's, here's some verses in scripture that I find really encouraging. Hebrews 10, 25, the writer of Hebrews tells us this. Let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. He's saying, hey, Christians, stick together. Walk it out together. Don't get into the habit like some people do in thinking, well, I read my Bible and I go to church and I'm just shy and antisocial. I don't need everybody to be a Christian. Well, technically, yeah, you can get into the kingdom of heaven by knowing your word and all that. But 
What is our goal? Giving people the best life possible, right? The best life means you live life out with other people who love you, who got your back, who inspire you, who challenge you, who encourage you. And here's what it says. Don't give up meeting together. You need to stick together. In John 13, verses 34 and 35, he says, so now I am giving you a new commandment. This is Jesus. He's actually giving us a, not a suggestion, but a commandment. He says, love each other. Simple, right there. Look at John 13, 34. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. You know what that's saying right there? The way you love each other is going to determine whether anybody else wants to become a Christian. The way you Christians love each other and act like community and act like family is going to, be, is going to determine whether anybody else outside of the family of God wants to get in the family of God, right? People have to see it. We've said something similar to this before is if you're a Christian and you're living life in such a way that people can't tell that you're a Christian, then you're doing it wrong. You have to live out loud. You have to live life together because it says at the end of that verse right there, your love for one another will prove to the world that you're my disciples. You know how we have love for the world is we practice by having love for each other. And as we become a family, we love one another. We become, this is why it's so important to hang out with other godly people, you will become like those you hang out with. And if you spend the majority of your time with other godly Christian people, you're going to grow in your faith because you're going to be like them and they're going to be like you and iron is sharpening iron. You're going to grow in the Lord because you're hanging out with others of the Lord's kids. Amen? And so what it's saying is this is very important who you hang out with. 1 Corinthians 15, 13 says, bad company corrupts good character. See, when I was in high school, I went to Kalaheo High School. Anybody Kalaheo in the house? Oh, Kalaheo isn't necessarily like the, the standard of holiness, right? It's not necessarily for all the good, clean-cut kids, right? We know that if you went to Kalaheo, a lot of parties, right? A lot of everything out there. Everything's available to you. And there's like girls, and there's drugs, and there's parties, and there's drinking, and it was like party central, party school, right? They let you go to school barefoot. And in my day, at least, some, some girls literally went in bikinis and sarongs, and guys are just in trunks and tank tops and no more shoes and no more slippers. And it was just kind of a real laid back, but it was a party school, raging parties. I think one night they had a, a party out on H3 or somewhere, if I remember correctly, lookout or something. And like 200 kids got arrested for, for partying and drinking and drugs, and they had to take them to Kailua police station, Kanyoi police station, because it was just this massive sting operation. But Kalaheo was like full party school, okay? Made my point? Mental school. And I remember in going to Kalaheo as a, as a high school student and all the temptations and knowing that I'm a Christian, but you know what kept me walking the straight and narrow? Is that my friends were from youth group. My friends were from church. My friends weren't just all that, because I knew that, what does it say right there? Bad company corrupts good character. I had to choose who I was going to hang out with, God's family or everything else, and I know where my life is headed if I go that way. And I chose to have guys that I hung out with, like Pastor Tom. I've known him since, like, junior high. And so my, I would go to school during the week, and everybody would say, hey, party on the weekend. And you know what I'd pick? No, I'm going to youth group. I'm going to junior high. I'm going to high school service, whatever we called it back then, Youth on the Rock or something like that. We had a different name back then. But those are the people I chose to hang out with. And you know what? It really benefited my life. I steered clear of all the other stuff that the, the world had to, to offer me. 
because I chose to be with God's family. Am I making my point here tonight? This is a huge value in our church is we want you guys to be connected to each other because we believe there's a lot of good, godly people in this room and there's a lot of us that are wanting to be good and godly and the more we connect and intersect with each other and spur each other on, we're gonna be doing the things of the Lord and we get the best life possible, amen? That's what we're talking about tonight. So we, we need to do these things. But beyond community, look in your notes, is the next thing, is our responsibility is actually to be family, right? God calls us family, not just community. People have something in common. That's cool. That's great that we would connect like that. But God goes, I actually want you to go deeper than that. I want you to love one another like family. And that's heavy, right? To say, yeah, I love like family, that's big. But that's what God is telling us. You want the best life possible? Love like family. Look at Ephesians 2, 19. He says, now you Gentiles are no longer strangers and foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Amen? Isn't that encouraging? That God's going, no, no, you're not a stranger. You're not someone that, oh, well, I kind of met God and I kind of have him in my life. He goes, no, come here, buddy. You're in. God says, come here, son. Come here, daughter. You're in my family right now. And look at all the brothers and sisters that I've given you. Isn't that cool? We're family now. God pushes us a step deeper than, I go to church, I worship with those people, and then I go home and I never talk to them throughout the week. He's going, get in each other's lives. You guys are family. Love like family. Here's what Romans 8, 15, and 16 says. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Praise God that we're not just fearful slaves of God, yeah? That we're not just going, oh man, I better find God, or you know, I'm gonna go to hell, and it's scary, and he's so big, and he's mean. Praise God that it says, You've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. That's cool. That God says, yeah, you guys were sinners. You were far from me. And yet I sent Jesus Christ, my son, to the cross for you so I could adopt you right into my family. And I know you don't deserve it, but I love you anyway. And I don't just love you as a friend. I love you as my own kids. It says, now we call him Abba, Father. Abba is an Aramaic word that is a term of endearment for talking about our Father God. And it's not just like Father in the strict sense of the word. It's actually a word that means Papa. It means Daddy. It means that intimate place that you have where you're just going, Daddy, you know, I just, I love you. You got me. I'm just a little kid, and I just want to be wrapped up in your arms, and you're big and strong and powerful. You're my Daddy. And this is what he says. He says, now we can call him Abba, Father. Some of us have jacked up relationships with our dads, yeah? Some of us have terrible relationships with our dads, and God's going, you know what? I'm here to be that perfect father for you. I'm here to love you like you're a little baby, and I'm gonna wrap you in my arms, and I don't care what you do to disappoint me. I will always forgive you. Just come back into my arms, and God is saying, that's what I am to you now. Don't be a fearful slave of me. I'm calling you in. You're adopted in my own. He says in verse 16, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. This is beyond community now, and he's saying we are family, but we must act like family to one another if we really want to get the best life possible. Um, we all need family members, and we're blessed by family members. Amen? Just in your real physical life, aren't you stoked on your family members? Just like, I mean, don't you guys have, I mean, some of you guys may have bad families, but there's got to be someone in your family that you love and that loves you, right? And we're thankful for them. This is Mother's Day weekend, right? We're thankful for our moms and all of that kind of stuff, all of the different family members. I got a couple of pictures I want to show you guys right now. You want to see some pictures of my family? 
real quick, because I want to talk to you about how much I love my family. Okay, so look at these pictures real quick. We got them? Here we go. This is, uh, this is me back when I was a little furry. This is Christmas time. But regardless, this is my immediate family. This is my wife and my three kids, and I love them so much, right? And they all are, mean different things. And I value them as family members because they're all different in different ways, right? I mean, the love and the attention that I get from my wife and just who she is and how she inspires me. My kids, each one of them. My daughter, she's my oldest, right? My number one, my baby. I got this picture on my desk of her when she's like two years old. And I'm laying on the ground, and here's this little two-year-old, and she's leaning over kissing daddy. And it's like, oh, one of my favorite pictures. Here's my firstborn, me and Kylie. And now I get the privilege of watching her grow up, struggle with school, struggle with all of that kind of stuff like teenagers got to struggle with. But you know what I'm watching? I'm watching her develop a relationship with God that just is so prideful to me. I'm just like, yes, that's all I want for my kids is for them to know Jesus. And I get to watch that. I get to watch the beauty that is Kylie growing up before my very eyes. And my son, Isaac, you know, he's all that he does. He's the class clown. He's the, he's the, the bold one, the strong one. All the kids at the talent show last year were all together, right, because they needed their other friends so that they could have the courage to get up on stage at the talent show. You guys know what I'm talking about, right? Elementary, you're like, I'm not getting out there. We gotta, let's do a dance together, right? Or let's play the piano together because we're not going out solo. Only kid in the whole elementary school that did anything solo, had no music, had nothing. He comes out. You know what he does? He gets a mic. He's a little bit scared, but he's solo on the stage. And I'm like going, I never would have done that when I was a kid. This is awesome. He pulls a mic up. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, that is awesome, right? The only kid that went solo in front of the whole school, and all he did with the mic just started beatboxing. I was like, yeah, that's so amazing. And he inspires me that way, you know. And I went to a school the other day, and they had to do some type of a music dancing. I don't know what it was. It wasn't Mayday, but it was just music class, right? So his class did all this stuff. And then they go back to his class, and he shows us all his school projects and all the things. And they go, oh, watch the video. It's a video of his class all throughout the year, right? All these different pictures. Every single picture, my son is just photobombing, ruining every picture. Like there's all the kids, you know, doing their thing. And there's Isaac like this in the back. Every single picture is like, you know, only kid that's doing that, right? I'm like, oh my gosh, you ruined every picture. I am so proud of you. That is so, just like dad. I love that, right? And so here's my son that inspires me, right? Because he's my son and I'm proud of him. And my youngest, she's just like hilarious. She makes me laugh all the time. I was so glad to see her on stage here tonight. But I get blessed by my family. Don't you guys get blessed by your family? And we need them. We need every little personality. Go to the next one. I got more. Next slide, this is the parents. Gotta love the parents, right? Mother's Day, gotta thank the Lord for them and all that they've invested in my life. Uh, too much for words. Legends right there. Go to the next one. Uh, these are my cousins. You may have seen them around this church. This is my cousin, Carissa, um, and she married Stephen, one of our electric guitar players. So now we got even more family that's actually in the church. Go to the next one. This is cool. So I got a good cousin. These are some cousins from uh, my wife's side. That's Alex over there. She's in the church. And uh, Bobby and Michelle, they live in Florida. But I, I gain different type of value and blessings from each of my different type of family members. You guys see what I'm trying to say here? We have different family members. Go to the next one. Next one, this is uh, auntie and uncle, Patty and Lenny. They live in Kailua, most hospitable people you ever meet in your life. But I have a need for aunties and uncles in my life. Go to the next one. This is my father-in-law, my wife's dad, Glenn. He was just here for about a month. He just flew back to Huntington Beach. 
sad to leave Hawaii, but he is an inspiration in so many different ways. The wisdom and the quiet nature with he just loves God completely. And if you start talking about the Lord or the Holy Spirit, tears just come out of his eyes. And he's so blessed and so proud to know the Lord and to love on his family. But he brings a different aspect to my life. Go to the next one. This is my extended family. You know who this is? This is my church staff. This is the staff of our church. And this is us when we went hiking to Makapu Lighthouse. We do fun stuff like that. Why? Because we're family. We hang out together. We don't just work together. We're in one another's lives. And I can get raw and real with these people, and they pray for me, and they have my back, and I have their back. And this is my extended family. But you know who else is my family? Go to the next one. The men of hope. Yeah, come on, men of hope. Come on, men. This was men's camp last year. And these are my brothers. These guys I rely on. They pray for me. They text me all the time. They inspire me. I love these guys. And I can't mention them without the next one, which is our women of hope. These are, right? You know what? This is, these are my sisters. These are your sisters. Because again, God says we're a family. We're all his kids, and we got to view each other like that. And the stuff that they do, the, the prayers and just the encouragement, they encourage me. They're part of my family. And finally, the next one is the whole church. It's all of you guys. And here's a, here's a point I'm making. Yeah, this is that collision. That's all of us worshiping together. I love that picture. The point I'm making is we're supposed to be beyond community. We're supposed to be family to one another. And the same way that I can get up here and say, this really is my family, you guys got to realize that you're sitting around all of these people that potentially, if you would take the time and the initiative to get to know people and to connect with them, could better your life and help you have the best life possible. But it's up to you. But they're here. And we're a tribe together. We're a family together. All that they, they can be, all of us need to be in each other's lives. Why? Because there's some of us that need to play the sister role to someone. They need to play the brother role to someone. There's people in the church that don't have those kind of relationships and you getting involved in their life, you're playing the role of maybe some of those things. Some of us, there's people of the older generation that need to feel like they have kids, spiritual kids that they can mentor and that they can pour into and they can help equip. And some of us need to be those kids and go find older people to just say, you have life experience, you've known the Lord so long, I need to just receive from you like I receive from my parents or my father-in-law. You guys get what I'm saying here is if we really understand what it is to be family with one another, we all have a role to play in someone else's life. And it may look like I'm the auntie to this person, the uncle to this guy's like my cousin, my brother, but we all have this role to play. We all have a, a need for this type of family, but we also need to be this type of family. See, we have in the welcome lounge out there, we have a group of people that are called the Connect Team. You guys know what I'm talking about? If you're new to our church, you go out the welcome lounge afterwards, you take your new people's card, say, hey, I want to get involved in this church. And the Connect team, their job is to tell you all about the church, is to help put you in relationship with other people in this church, is to connect you to God, but to connect you to the family of God. But the problem is we're a little short-sighted if we think that the only people in the whole church that are supposed to connect people to the family of God is the Connect team. Do you guys realize that the whole entire church is the Connect team? That you and I are called by God because he says you're family. How come you're not including your brothers and sisters in what's going on? How come you're not getting into each other's lives like the early church tried to model to you to show you what church is all about? We got to understand that our place and our role is we're family members and we got to love like family. Amen? And the more we do, the more the blessings come in life. But we got to take initiative. Proverbs 18, 24 says, a man who has friends must himself be friendly. If you want to have friends and you want this, you got to get out of your way and you got to be friendly too. 
that it's, it's all of our job and all of our duties to connect one another. And then it says, but there's a friend who sticks closer than a brother, Jesus Christ, amen. But we need to reach out to one another and connect one another. Let me tell you, with some of the new vision and values that God's putting in our, in our church, we're doing things a little bit differently. We're cleaning up some of the things where we got a little, like I said, loose or a little slack in. Here's a big announcement for you guys. You know all of that food that we have in the Courtyard Cafe after every service on the weekends? All the good food that gets cooked? We're not doing it anymore. We can't do it anymore. And let me tell you the reason why. It's before you guys all get mad because we have some amazing chefs out there that cook this stuff. Here's what we found out. As we're in the process of getting new permits and, and permission to build structures and do all the stuff that we do, because we've got three more buildings to build up here, we found out that for sure we are not allowed to prepare any food on this campus unless we are a commercially licensed kitchen. You know that? That means we have to have everything full-on, professional equipment, all of this. Health inspector has to come up and certify it, but we are building on Ag2 land, which means it's not zoned for that, so we couldn't get that to happen anyway. So what we've been doing there, illegal. And we're like, oh no, we're not allowed to be cooking food. If someone gets sick, we're in trouble and we could lose the whole shebang. Inspectors could come up and go, you guys are out of violation. You know, what's going on? So we're like, oh my gosh. And then they said, the other thing is, you're not even allowed to sell food in the first place anyway. Because you're a church, you're a nonprofit, all you do to give food, you can give food away, or you can take donations on the food. You're not allowed to put prices on the food. And we're just going, oh no, what happened? We, we meant this as a good thing for fellowship and to connect the body of Christ together. But now we're going, we're, we're going to be a church of integrity. And if it means we got to cut that off, we're going to do it because we want God's full blessing. Amen? And we need to build some more buildings and we can't afford to get written up and for them to stop our forward progress, right? So we had to make a decision. We're going to do it God's way. And what we're going to do is we're going to spin this for something good for fellowship, for connecting people to God's family. The purpose was people would go out there, eat together, and connect together. And that was kind of happening. But here's what we're going to do now. We're going to encourage all of you guys, after any service you come to on the weekends, to do a step further at connecting people to, to one another. And that is, oh, they don't offer all the food they used to offer. We're going to have little snacks out there for a $1 donation. Right? It means suggested donation of a dollar. But we're not there to sell or to make any money. We're not a restaurant but we're going to keep it legal. Suggested donation is a dollar for this stuff. But here's what we're saying instead. Let's get more real in people's lives, and why don't you guys all go down to Zippy's together and really sit over a table of food and get in the community and shine the light for Christ and sit down over a real table and eat real food and have a big menu. Does that make sense? We're saying in the middle of us trying to really connect, how much more would you feel blessed if someone said, hey, we're already at church. Just sit down and have a burrito with me. Oh, that's cool. But what if someone said, hey, what, would you and your family like to join us at Ruby Tuesdays or down at the mall and come eat with us? How much more special do you feel if someone invited you to that? You guys see what I'm saying here? How much more real connecting is going on in that sense? And so what we're trying to say is connect in real ways. If you want to be a friend, if you want to receive friends, you got to be a friend, right? And also, secondly, if we go down to the community and we say, hey, Hope Chapel, go bless Zippies tonight. Take 48 people and go bless them and just give them business and tip heavily, don't be the kind of Christian that's like, they see us coming and go, oh no, Christians, Hope Chapel people, I don't want those tables, they're going to they're gonna stiff us. Because that's what happens, a lot of restaurants say that, oh, church groups, they always like, they never tip, because everyone chips in, there's never enough, right? I want us to flip that around, be a blessing to our community, that if they see Hope Chapel people coming, they fight for that table. I want it, because those guys are going to tip heavily, they're all about blessing to the community, how do I get a part of their table? But do you see how we can take something negative and turn it for something good? 
If we say, go connect for real. Go, go sit down, go invite people to dinner. Go, go to, what is it, Orange Grove yogurt afterwards or go take over 7-Eleven or wherever you go. <laughs> but get deeper into people's lives than just, oh, we hang out in the courtyard. That was good, but I think we can go deeper, amen? We're gonna turn it around for something good, but that's what's going on. But here's the most important thing and I gotta end with this. Our most important tool in this church has got to be mini church. And some of you guys are like, yeah, well, I've heard about it, and I don't really go. I've been here for a while, and I don't really need it. Well, guess what? We're putting a new push on mini church. What built our church and the camaraderie in our church and the growth of our church that brought people into the best life possible for all the years was mini church. And we've gotten a little bit away from our push for mini church. But what mini church is, is you meet sometime during the week, you just talk about the sermon, or you talk about books of the Bible or whatever you're reading. But basically, you're sharing life together. You're not sitting there and someone's teaching you. You're sitting there getting together with other people, and you're going, what's God doing in your life? How are we growing together? Who needs prayer? How can I bless you? How can I pray? And what you're doing is you're walking out the Christian faith. Amen? You come here on the weekend. All you do is sit there, and you learn. Wow, right on. Coach, thanks for equipping us. You go to mini church, you're getting in the game with the other players. You see what I'm trying to say here? You start living life together. You start making relationships that will last you a lifetime. I found my wife in mini church. If that doesn't say enough right there, singles, go get in mini churches for that alone. You might meet someone. You never know. But we're going to start pushing mini church because look at what Acts 2, 46 and 47 says. It says the early church, as they were forming community, they worshiped together at the temple each day like this, big group meeting, someone preaching, some worship, and they all meet together. But you know what? That's not super connecting. That's us, everybody getting together, hearing something, and then we go home. But it says, they also met in the homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God, enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They met in big groups, I think, for the coaching, but they also said they met in small groups for the connecting. And if we're talking about building a family, you could come to this church for years and just go to the service, sit there and leave, and never honestly, truly connect with anyone. Do you guys agree? That happens. A church our size, you go there, that's good, I gotta go after. You didn't really connect to anybody, right? Let's not kid ourselves in that little question we asked in the beginning. Hey, what's your favorite shoe size? Or, you know, whatever it is. You're not really connecting, right? That's like a little 30-second life. Hey, great to see you, and you forget about it right when you sit down. Come on, right? Anybody with me? That's not really enough. That's just a little starter. But see, mini church is where we say, you know what? Learn to connect with other people, live life together. Your life will be blessed if you really connect to the family of God. And we are going to be pushing mini church, mini church, mini church. We know that that is what built Hope Chapel Kanye Bay. And we've stepped away from the focus on that. We're coming right back. And how we're coming? Laser beam focus. Mini church, we're going big. We're going to go back into that is the main way that people connect in this church. We're not going to kid ourselves. We do a lot of other good ways of connecting. Connect ministry, open house, alpha, the camps, the events, the worship nights. We do outreaches together. We go on mission trips together. We do service projects. All of that, mini church is the best. You guys want to see a video that talks about some people finding mini church and what it means? Real quick, you got time? Let's run that video real quick, and um, then we'll finish up here. Watch this video. I'm Holly Beeling. And I'm Tim Beeling. And we're married. (laughs) (laughs) I was in training in California and a job opportunity opened uh, here in Hawaii. So I got transferred uh, with my job. And he 
uh, agreed enthusiastically. So <laughs> I was a, a cop for 11 years, and uh, she called me and told me she got transferred, and I quit the next day. Then when we got here, we started jumping around churches, just trying one every um, every week. And one of her friends said, try out Hope Chapel, Kanyoi, and we did. And then we actually went to go try another church the next weekend, because just to kind of make a good decision. But for some reason that Sunday, they were closed. Like they weren't having normal Sunday service. So we're like, let's go back to, to uh, Hope Chapel. And after that Sunday, we both looked at each other and we're like, is it so that was the end of church um, shopping, <laughs> shopping. Um, first week of January or something second week or we it was a uh, open house in January and she works late on Tuesday nights and she forced me to go by myself which is super outside of my comfort zone yes <laughs> um, meeting new people like Southern California you don't just go meet people for fun. Um, so it was very, I was very shy and scared. And, and I met like all kinds of people that night um, at open house and then... Um, he came home like super excited on it. So uh, just on meeting people and the experience that he came from it. So it was like, I wasn't expecting it. It was a whole new Tim, so it was awesome. <laughs> when we came to Hope Chapel, we had no friends and no family at all. And uh, never been in a mini church. Ever. Yeah, our previous church had something similar to mini church, but I absolutely refused to go because going to somebody's house was super awkward for me. So we went to try it out um, the very first time, and it was amazing. Like, just the acceptance and the love that everybody showed that first night was amazing. Something I'd never like felt before. Like even when they went around and uh, prayed at the very end. Like every single person went around the room and they all prayed and thanked that Tim and Holly were at mini church. Like it was amazing. Now we have tons of friends. Yeah, <laughs> now you guys are stuck with us. <laughs> <laughs> Connecting to God's family is huge because I think that's made our relationships um, grow in the Lord um, because you know, we hold each other accountable. We have, we, I mean, we prayed, um, we sent, shoot, you know, each other texts asking for prayer um, for the day um, when we're having, you know, something that hard that we're going through. So it's been like, I've never had that. I've never had that um, where I can lean on somebody when I need prayer um, and know that, you know, I, there are other people out there praying for us, so. Connecting to God's family here is like unlike anything else it's not just um, it's not just making a, a friendship it's you have a common bond um, that's amazing you guys understand each other we understand each other on a different level I've only known some of these people now for four months three months and I feel like I've known them forever it's uh, it's, it's awesome And I know, I know I'm short on time, but that is the power of mini church. You know what the power in mini church is? This, this scripture right here, Matthew 18, 19. I also tell you this, if two 
of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven will do it for you. For where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. When we get together as God's family and we're really seeking and just being real and hanging out with one another, God's kids, Jesus says, I'm right there. I got you. There's power in that. When you get into each other's lives enough to meet needs, to share, if someone's got a need or if someone's got a prayer request, I have, like I said, I found my wife in mini church. I found some of my best friends for life in mini church. When I didn't have jobs, people in mini church knew me well enough and said, I got you. I'll give you a job until you get on your feet or where you're going. I've had free cars given to me because of people in mini church. I've had amazing prayers. I've grown spiritually in the Lord. People have prayed over me. I pray over other people. People get baptism of the Holy Spirit inside mini church. Amazing stuff happens. I grow in, I grew in my leadership abilities. I learned to be a pastor because someone said, hey, Carl, you've been coming to mini church a while. You got some leadership qualities. You should lead the mini church. And I'm like, what? Right? But because of that, someone pushed me and I became a pastor today because I was first a mini church shepherd or mini church overseer or pastor or whatever you want to call it. And it's not even hard. That's the awesome thing is you just get together, talk about God and life. There's no set of like you have to teach or any of this stuff, but mini church is what built our church and we are coming back to that value to say mini church is so important in our lives. How many of you guys in this room go to mini church right now? Raise your hand. That is cool, yeah? And you guys know how good mini church is, don't you? You guys do, but there's, here's the problem. How many of you guys don't go to mini church right now? The problem is those of us that just raised our hand the first time, are not reaching out to those people and not pulling those people into mini church. The good that you have in bonding with the family of God needs to be available for everybody. Amen? Amen. That everyone needs a mini church. And it's up to us that are in mini church to go invite someone in. And it's up to you who's kind of like, I'm kind of scared, I'm kind of shy, just to go ask someone, right? To say, hey, how can I get into one? And you know what? Shop around. You don't have to go to that one the rest of your life. Go in there and you're like, well, these people are just too weird. I'm not going to this one. <laughs> Shop around. It's okay. Go to the next one, right? These people are too tall. No, I don't fit here, right? Go wherever you feel comfortable. But the bottom line is you need family. You need people that got your back, that care about you, that love you. And guess what? Someone in that mini church needs you to be at that mini church because they need you to speak into their lives, your perspective, what God is teaching you, the things he's showing you. They need to hear that thing. So you're going to hear me from here on out, this part of this vision, and in our church, we're coming back to mini church, back to our values. We want to connect people, and guess what? We had way too many shallow events around this church previously. We got kind of sloppy. We started doing all of these crazy events for all the ministries, and we thought we were connecting people. Well, people would show up, they would have like a little dinner together or something, and then they wouldn't really connect, and it would just be over, and they all had a good time but there was no real connecting going on. You guys hear what I'm saying? We can go to events that seem cool and have a good time and we go, but we're not really connecting to anybody. And we were competing with our very own system that really built into people's lives the family network of God because we were throwing all of these shallow events. So people would go to the big, hyped up, fun, shallow event, but not really get connected and not really get fed. And we're saying, let's get rid of some distractions here. Not that we're not gonna have any events. Let's get rid of some distractions here Let's focus on what we know is the strength of this church, what was the strength of the early church in Acts, what God is saying, we need each other. Let's focus on that. Is that good? So we're changing some stuff. So you might see less events unless they're real connecting events, and we're going to be hyping mini church a lot more. And we need to get to that point where we're inviting everybody because 
Here's the challenge. I want to leave you guys with a challenge. Last week, my challenge was put one of these wristbands on and wear it for a month, right? And we talked about that. And today, I actually had a meeting with a pastor friend of mine, and he's like, oh, what is that? And I'm like, oh, here we go, you know? And for like the next 10 minutes, he just got the full vision may, right? The, uh, the Reader's Digest condensed version, but he got it all. And he's like, oh, 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 wow. Oh. But by the end of it, he was fired up. He's like, oh, God is moving at Hope Chapel, Kaneohe Bay. I'm like, hey, you better believe it, right? And I was like, you want one of these? You know, like, and he's just like, oh my gosh, but I'm using this thing. So last week's challenge, wear one of these things for a month, right? Are you level three or are you level two, right? Because level three, we're going big, right? We're wearing this thing. We don't care. We're wearing it. But here's my challenge for this week. My challenge this week is if you are not in a mini church, go check one out this week. I dare you. I dare you. You want to go to the next level in your walk with God? Get uncomfortable. Like Tim said, oh, it's so awkward. It's whatever. And then he fell in love with all those people who loved him, who reached out. Now he's got all this big circle of friends. I dare you and challenge you to go out there. There's people at our mini church boards out, right out there that will help you find a mini church. If you don't like the first one, go to the next one. Like I said, try them out. But there's my challenge this week. If you're not in a mini church, go check one out. You want to connect to God? You want the best life possible or you want a, a kind of decent life possible, Right? You want to, eh, it's okay, I go to church, it's cool, it's, it's a pretty good life. Or do you want to be like level three, I want the best life possible, pastor, what I got to do? Connect to God's family, that's what I'm telling you. Second thing, if you're already in a mini church, and I'm not letting you guys off the hook either. If you're not in one, go check one out. If you are already in one, here's your guys' challenge. Go invite someone new into your mini church. Go bring, and don't just invite, because you might talk to someone and they go, I already go, and you're like, oh, did my job, did my challenge. Here's my challenge to you is, Bring someone with you to mini church. Don't give them your phone number and expect them to call. You get their phone number so that you can invite them because they're the new person. Make them feel welcome. Get their phone number and invite them and bring them to your mini church. Is that a good challenge? Yeah. It's, it's built on God's family. If we're not family, then we're not getting all that God has intended for us. Is that okay? Those are the challenges. You're not in a mini church? Go. I dare you. Go talk to someone. Go check one out. If you're already in one, go bring someone with you to mini church. Connect them to God's family. Let's pray, and we'll let you guys out of here tonight, I promise. Lord, we love you, Father God, and it's all about you. It's not about anything else, Lord. Lord, this church that is growing in front of my very eyes, these people that are learning to love you deeper than they ever did before, Lord, these people that are connecting, that are here in my church, Lord, that I love so much, that are connecting to one another in deeper ways, and they're finding friendships and relationships that they never knew before. Lord, I am proud to be pastor of this church and where we are going. But Lord, I pray that you would challenge us to give away what we know, the, the love of mini church and the connectivity to the family, that we would be a church that is all about connecting people. That Lord, as in the future, as we, we ask to raise hands who's not in a mini church, that those hands would be smaller and smaller numbers because people would just be getting hooked up and connected all the time. Lord, we want to live as a true family of worshipers with you as our loving heavenly father. Lord, I pray that we would really get connected and enjoy all the benefits of being in the family of God. Lord, I pray that you would challenge us to be inviters. And Lord, I ask right now, Father God, if there's anybody in this room, in this building right now, that is not really even connected to God in this place, maybe you came tonight and you're looking for God and you're hoping to connect because you're looking for me and you're looking for help and in your life, then I'm going to pray with you in a minute. My prayer is going to be one where I could connect you to God for the very first time in a real and meaningful way. 
And the prayer is basically going to be, if you're at a place in life right now where you're tired of living life for yourself, you're tired of trying to figure this, this whole thing out by yourself, and you're looking to a God, and you realize that there is a God in heaven that loves you, that created you, that sent his very son to die for your sins, to, to bless you, to set you free from the bondage of sin and slavery and guilt and shame and all that you've been dealing with and carrying the rest of your life, that God is willing to say, there's a way out. Turn to me. Come to me right now. Give me control of your life. Let me love on you. Let me change you. Let me create something beautiful and wonderful from your life. Let me forgive you of that sin and bring you into an eternal relationship where you don't fear death anymore, but you get to go to heaven for all of eternity. That's a prayer that you'd like to pray. I'd like to lead you in that prayer. And what we're going to do is everybody's got their eyes closed and heads bowed. But I would like for you, if you're sitting here tonight saying, I need to connect to God, Pastor. What do I got to do? Well, it's as simple as a prayer from your heart. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm going to say the words out loud. I'm just going to ask that you would pray them silently in your heart of hearts and God would hear you and he'll connect with you and he'll honor this prayer that you're praying. But I want to do one thing before we pray that prayer. I'm going to say it out loud. You pray it quietly in your heart. God will connect with you right now. I'm going to ask that you would let me know that we're going to be praying here together. I'm going to, in a few seconds, count to three. And when I come to number three, I'm just going to ask that if you want to pray this prayer with me, that you would shoot your hand straight up in the air and you'd wave your hand at me. No one else sees you, but I want to know that I'm praying with you to lead you into this most incredible prayer. And if that's what you want to do to make things right with God and become a Christian tonight, on the count of three, if you just lift your hand and we'll pray together here. If that's you, one, two, three. Just lift those hands. Keep them up. Let me see them. I see one. I see two. I see three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Anybody else in this room as I'm looking around? Ten. I see you back there, brother. Unreal. Anybody else as I'm looking around? I saw about ten people. Thank you, God. Go ahead and put those hands down. Amen. That's all right. The, the church rejoices with you. Go ahead and just uh, pray this prayer in, in your heart of hearts to God right now, what I'm going to say out loud. God, I'm here tonight, and I, I need you. I want to connect to you. I want to connect to your family. First step, Lord, is connecting to you. Lord, here I am. I believe that your son Jesus died on the cross in my place to pay the price for my sins. Lord, sin is nothing more than living my life apart from you. And Lord, I believe that Jesus died to set things right so that I could live my life with you and for you. Then that you would live in me and through me and you would do things. Lord, that you would connect me to your family. That you'd begin a new work in my life. That you would change me. That you would put me into your kingdom and into your family, Lord, and my life will never be the same for all of eternity. I believe that. I accept all of that right now, Lord. I surrender my life to you. I promise you, Father, from this day, I will live for you. I will read my Bible, Lord. I will learn to pray, to talk to you. Lord, I'll come to church to stay connected with your people, your family, my family from here on out. Lord, I I promise to be baptized. I know there's a baptism next week. Lord, I want to do baptism as a symbol of what you're doing inside of me. Lord, I want to show it on on the outside that I'm I'm submitting my life to you. Lord, I pray that you'd fill me with the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, I want to see the miraculous done in my life. I need healing. I need forgiveness. I need freedom. I want all that you have for me. Lord, from this moment on, I live for you. Thank you for being my father, and I'm your child. Thank you that I can connect with this wonderful family. And in Jesus' mighty name, all God's people said, Amen, and we praise God, don't we, for those people? Amen.